The Grappling Hour is brought to you by Ludagear, athletic support items created by grapplers for grapplers. Fire Grub Meal Prep. Meal Prep. Done right. Good morning, friends. It is a very great day over here. It is, what, 7.38 in Best Coast time? I have coffee, so that's mostly going to help me kind of, you know, get through what... I'm, I'm not super good in the mornings. We know that. However, when you have a guest who has availability in the morning, you get your ass up because you want to talk to them. You want to hear what they have to say. You might be jealous of the type of coffee that they're drinking because they've put it on their Instagram stories, and frankly, it looks better than my coffee. But you get over that. You get past it. Because uh, I'll tell you this. Our guest today, not just a black belt, not just an owner of Easton Training Center, not just a former UFC fighter. This man, when I see him coach, it kind of peers into my soul. Uh, this man, when he coaches, he has the ability to take his conversational voice, and it's not much different than his yelling coaching voice. And uh, I've seen him many a times coach my good friend John Combs into uh, some epic matches. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things where I was watching a recent UFC in Fort Lauderdale. And I could hear him crystal clear coaching from the comfort of my own home. And I was like, you know, I think I need to talk to this man because we have too many similar friends. And I think it's about time we bring on Elliot Marshall on the show. Elliot, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Ralph. How are you, man? Very well. Thank you very much. So do you know that you have a distinct voice when you are coaching? Um, I, I, I know now because everyone tells me, <laughs> you know, and they make fun of me. Do, um, they, what, do they make fun of you? Because here's the thing. I think what you have is a gift. And the reason why is because you are one of the few people who sounds good yelling and coaching because a lot of people don't have a voice that can project. I'm a performer and I performed in large halls, but I can't coach with that same voice. I have to go up and off right. and yell at people. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things. Uh, how do I say this? My, I can project in a way and it doesn't sound panicked, mm -hmm. I think, is, is what the key is. And I've had to work on that because when I first started, it sounded a little panicked, you know, Um. So I had I had to I knew I had this voice that would project, but I I had to figure out how to not to be like okay 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 when I'm you know like because that like makes the fighter and, and maybe the judges if it's a UFC event you know mm -hmm. um be like whoa shit what is he in trouble mm -hmm. is you know like so it's been um yeah it's been it's been interesting I like it people you know I, I get stuff all the time I hear stuff all the time about it well the reason why it appears into my soul is like. You know, one of the hard parts if you are doing uh, photography at these events is they have a rule that you can't coach. So at IBJJF especially, you can't coach. So if you see your right. friends in trouble that are your homies, 
you really can't do anything, you know? So there are a couple instances where, you know, John Combs has come over to me and he's like, hey, Raph, man, you gonna, you gonna like take some photos of me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll grab a couple photos of you, you dork. Just get out there and win, you know? That's really all I want for you. And the things I wish I could yell out, you are doing, but you're also the world's best hype man because you're the only person I've really seen that after the match, you're just as hype as being like, woo, that was great. Good job, John Combs. And I'm like, yo, this guy is who I want in my corner. I love my guys. If I coach you, I love you. <laughs> it's simple for me. You know, yeah. I try not to coach too many people because I, for me to, um, for me to do it the best, I can't do it without love, gratitude, and connection. You know, I have to. So if, if I don't really care about you, um, then it doesn't work for me. Like, it, you, you'll feel the difference. Because um, I, I know that I need to have, like, at, like for example, at a jiu-jitsu tournament, I need to have the same passion and enthusiasm at 9 o'clock when my blue belts are going that I, that I, that I do when, at, at 9 o'clock when the black belts or the open division for the blue belts is going, mm. you know, because they still, it's still a very important moment to them. And it doesn't, like, I have to, like, remove myself from that and make it happen. So um, I, I, I can't say I don't want to coach too many people because uh, if I coach you, I love you. It's, it's a simple thing, you know, and, 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 and if I could love a lot of people, then let's go. But um, it's, that, that's all it really comes down to for me. I think... Um, yeah, I just love my students. I love every single one of my students. And like not in a – I know a lot of people say that, but I think, I think you described it well. I think you can see it when I coach. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it is. Like, yeah. No, I, my, student, my students saved my life, I, I will say. You know, Like they saved my life as a collective whole. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't pay them back for what they did for me. Like I said, man, it's just – it's infectious and it's, it's hard because – Again, we're supposed to be these like bystanders that just watch and go, oh, hey, that was a good match, you know? So, like, we yeah. can't get as hype. So, for those of us who just have to be the bystanders with objectivity, we're just sitting there with a camera and being like, that was pretty dope. That was a great match. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it does make me very happy to know that that is that. And I actually I get really excited when I see it. So, tell me a little bit about uh, Fort Lauderdale because there's something that I don't like. That happens on occasion, which is I understand if you don't like the decision and you're in the crowd. But to boo a fighter disrupts a part of my soul, which is they didn't do anything wrong. Even if the fight's boring, they didn't do anything wrong. I, I don't get it. Like, like it's just. Are you drinking Starbucks? I heard your coffee intro. What kind of coffee are you drinking? So the, first well, this is a Keurig version. So this is just a. Uh, we got to talk. Okay, let's talk. We gotta, See, we'll, we'll here's talk the thing. Out. I'm not a super good coffee guy. I basically – I have this Keurig that I bought for my wife and it became an addiction for me instead. So now I do this. So I just have um, – is it a Starbucks one? It might be. Um, but yeah, dude, that's what I have going on. But I saw your little, your little heart shape. You get those good people who actually make those beautiful designs in their coffee that I'll never understand. Yeah, it's not – you know, it took me a while to learn. But um, but wait, you, wait, you did that? I did it. Oh yeah, oh I did it. Gross. Oh yeah, that's my house, bro. See, that's I thought house. I thought you went to go buy it somewhere. No man, I no was, bro, <laughs> I no just, bro. That was part of the reason why I was so bad. Is I was like, listen, I know you're a dad. I know you get up earlier than me, some schlub. But the <laughs> fact that you had the time, from what it looked like in my eyes, to go out, 
grab this coffee that looked pristine, put uh-uh. up clips of your podcast, and I was like, I'm so behind comparatively. Jesus. Uh, you know, when uh, when you love what you do, it ain't work, bro. Yeah, you know, well. when you love what you do, it ain't work. So, like, the, you know, my, my enthusiasm wakes me up. <laughs> and, part of, and part of my enthusiasm is, is I want to get really good at latte art. So, fuck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like, did, wait, when did you decide you wanted to do that? Have you always been a coffee person? How that okay, develop? so here's so before we get to Fort Lauderdale, sure. Here, okay, this is this is another UFC related thing. So in 2012, mm-hmm. I had to travel with uh, my now uh, a partner and coach uh, Cody Donovan to Australia for the UFC. He was okay. fighting. I was retired. And it's like an over-the-night flight. I'm like, I'm exhausted. When we get there, we land in Auckland. And I'm like, God damn, I just need some coffee. So I get some coffee. And I'm not a coffee snob at this point. Like, Starbucks is where I go. Starbucks is my jam. And I have this coffee in this airport. And I'm just like, fuck, that was delicious. So then I go get another coffee from the same place. And I'm like, oh, man, this is just – it was amazing. It was an amazing coffee. And I was like, shit, man. We don't have coffee like this in the States. And then I'm like thinking through the logic there and I'm like, wait a minute. Um, I go to the, like the McDonald's of coffee. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't do that. That's not, that's not fair to the States. That's not fair to coffee <laughs> in America. You know, and I'm a red-blooded American. <laughs> so I need to get into coffee. So, dude, I went all in on coffee. Like, all the... Can I curse? Yeah, you can curse. Uh, yeah, I went all the way the fuck in, man. I bought an espresso machine. Like, I have a fucking <laughs> Breville dual fucking boiler in my house. Like, so I'm not into a lot of things, mm. you know? I'm into, I'm into jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I'm into... I love this whole podcasting, like, uh, personal brand gig. I, I really like uh, helping people and affecting their lives. I'm into cooking good meat. So I have three grills, bro. Three. I used what? to have four. Yeah, but now I only have. Now I I I I, I, I consolidated to three. <laughs> you know. So like, but this is what I'm into, bro. You know, this is what the fuck I'm into. So that means I I I, I don't. Ha- uh. Yeah, I I don't know what to say. Like, I, <laughs> how I roll again. Totally fine with it, and I understand it, but. So I've always put my my addictions in moderation. Like I didn't drink till I was 24. So it was like okay. when that happened, I was like, no, if I'm gonna drink, I'll I'll do it when I want to. Um, right. By the time I was like, nah, I don't really want to. And the same thing was happening with coffee, and especially being a writer, you know, you get all these writers who are like, nah, you need coffee, man. That's what you need. And I was like, well, what I want to do is I want to wean off of more caffeine from sodas and shit like that, and go to coffee eventually. So, like, this is baby steps, dude. I, I know in the future, Dark Soul Coffee will be my coffee. But for right Bro. now, I'm just like, nah. Call me afterwards, man. I will. I will. I'm try- okay, so I'm really going through this period in my life, too, where I'm trying to, like, but I, I think part of our problem in, in the country right now is that we have to be right. Like, everyone's got to be right. Like, this is the way it's done. <laughs> so I'm trying really hard not to be like that. Um, like if you if you like shitty Folgers coffee, then you know, man, that's what makes you happy. You're not hurting anyone, so continue. Like, why should I ruin your life and have you like sp- spending thousands of dollars on espresso machines and like 
coffee subscriptions that get mailed to your house. Like, look, that that's what does it for me. Mm-hmm. But that might not do it for you. You're good with Folgers. Or, so I'm trying really hard not to. If you would like to take on this endeavor, we'll talk after, <laughs> oh okay? But I, but I don't want to force it on you, okay? This guy just threw the Coffee Avengers initiative at me right now. <laughs> and literally just said, like, I mean, it's up to you, Raph. If you want to be enlightened, that's cool. But like, No, I'm not saying that. You might be enlightened. That's not what I'm saying. Some people, like, like look, some people can be enlightened. We, we all do it differently. We all do it differently. If you li- would like to add coffee to your experience, then let me know. You can totally be enlightened with Folgers Coffee. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. Yeah. So just to clarify where I come from on my side yeah. of the world, which <laughs> is I I don't like there are certain things I will get worked up about to be like, whoa, 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 that's not right. But like for the majority of things, especially if somebody's like trying to help you and be like, yo, you need to try this coffee. I will listen to these people. It's just with, with when you have beer snobs. I'm always like, listen, you guys can be dicks to people occasionally. But if you know the right beers, steer me in that direction. I don't mind that. It's just a matter of like getting enriching experiences is not a problem and it shouldn't be looked at as a bad thing. You see that, you know, that passion that you were talking about, talking about like that I coach with. Mm-hmm. If I get into something, that's what I do in all of my life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not good. Okay. No, I get so like, yeah, you know, like, so we're like, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, I've ruined some people's lives over coffee before. So I'm trying, (laughs) I'm trying not to do that again. (laughs) Elliot, I don't know what's going to happen. I had somebody that was good with Starbucks and what I did, like (laughs) I introduced him to good coffee and he had no good coffee around his house. So he was driving 30 to 40 minutes every fucking day to go get a decent cup of coffee. And his wife was getting mad at him. She's like, what the fuck, man? You know, like this is a little silly, you know, because he wouldn't even make coffee in the morning. Like, so like I've ruined people's lives when they were good with like the Starbucks around the corner. (laughs) Well, you know what I'm saying? I I didn't know it ran that deep. Um, But I told you the passion that I do anything with is the passion that I do everything with. Okay. Okay. Again, see, I see this more as a positive because I think any of us who do like jujitsu plus, so I'm talking about those people who don't just practice jujitsu. It's Mm -hmm. doing podcasts on jujitsu who have that passion. We know we're the people at the party where if you get us started on jujitsu, good night by everybody else. That's the only conversation that matters. Yeah, I'm done. I, I understand that. Okay. Um, and it, it, it seeps to my core because there are certain things where I go, yeah, I got to shut up now. I'm going to bore everybody. Uh, All right. We're, we're, we're talking. Yeah. All right. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. The, the crowd. The crowd. <laughs> Your boy does a great performance and it's a good fight. And I understand that people may have wants and expectations, but when the fight is all said and done, when the guy – I've never seen an actual fighter in a while maybe – but I've never seen a fighter be like, oh, wow, you guys are still booing. And then, like, my whole heart just sinks where I'm like, oh, that just sucks. He actually said, like, okay, guys, I hear you. I know. <laughs> so talk me through what you saw in that fight because I think it's important to at least establish from your guys' perspective how it went down. So I don't understand a 29-28 Lineker score. Yeah. That score doesn't make sense to me. Um, I understand 30-27 Corey. And I understand 29-28, Corey. Like, those, I can wrap those in my head. Mm-hmm. But if you saw Lineker winning two of those rounds, then I think you had to see him winning all of those rounds. Like, I don't – because it was pretty much the same fight the whole round. Yeah. Like, I mean – I'm sorry, every round, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
Corey was piecing him up mm-hmm. for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Lineker would throw big, heavy shots. And those big, heavy shots, I would say 80% of them were blocked. Now, that little motherfucker throws so hard <laughs> that it would knock Corey off balance a little bit. Sure. But the, the guard was covered. It hit his arm and it would move him. So that's why I was screaming, blocked, blocked, so that the judges could like be like, okay, that was blocked. You know, it's not for Corey. Corey knows it's fucking blocked, right? Like he knows he didn't hit him. <laughs> it's for it's for a you know, right? <laughs> you have to coach the judges a little, you know, yeah, because we've seen some terrible decisions, yeah. especially in people's hometowns. Like he's from Florida, so we were worried about exactly this scenario because no one stopped the guy. Mm. Right? Like, no one has ever stopped him. Mm-hmm. I don't think in the UFC. Maybe his first fight. I don't know. You know? So he's very, very tough and durable. And so we knew decision was probably coming. Um, we didn't say that to Corey, right? Like, we were like, you're going to fuck this, you know? But, we, like, in my mind, it was going to be a decision. So you want to make sure that um, the judges are seeing the fight in your favor. Um, so I don't understand the 29 28. Because if you gave two of the rounds to Corey, I mean, to Lineker, which one, which one didn't you give to him? Because the same thing happened. The only thing that was different was the last 20 seconds of round three, right? Mm-hmm. He hit him with a hook. Mm-hmm. Corey decided to take a shot. It didn't drop him, right? Corey dropped, and then he got caught in a guillotine. Um, I personally don't think you win a round by winning 20 seconds, you know? I'm, but, I'll, but I'm okay with that round going to Lineker. Go ahead. Okay. And I feel like that's a fair perspective because – Again, when I'm watching it, you know, you might have elements of saying, like, okay, those strikes go through, or maybe, you know what I mean? Like, if you're a layman watching it on TV, you may not necessarily have the understanding of what's happening there. But, I mean, it was just, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where I can accept things not being in my control when it comes to a judge's decision, and I make peace with that. And part of the way I make peace with that is I'm like, I just never blame the fighters. And to get that that sort of thing. I don't know, man. I'm a It was a great fight. That's what that's the booing was. That was what was the it was an amazing fight by both guys. Like Lineker didn't didn't well too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like it was a really great, entertaining fight. Game is fuck by both of them. Like so to boo them, you know? Mm-hmm. Was or boo Corey, he didn't do anything. He fought his fucking heart out. It's the boo that carries over into the interview. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, you know, hey, man, you you won that. And we're in an age now where time is money, so not everybody gets an interview as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, hey, man, this only happens now every so often because this is an ESPN machine that we got to go, 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 go. go. And if we're late, you know, hey, we might just be able to say, like, you won. Is that great? Okay, good. Let's go to the next fight. Right. So for me, just to say, like, yo, don't screw this man shine. And as a stand-up comic, to know what it's like to have an audience heckle you is like, I don't ever wish that upon anybody, dude. But to be like, well, that's a fighter who gave you a service and then some shit response comes in. I'm like, oh, God, fuck these guys. It's not even give you a service. He gave you his life. Yeah. You know, so like, this is the difference, in my opinion, with fighting and everything else. Um, no offense to your stand-up comedy. Oh, I don't give you know? a shit. Go on. Yeah, okay. But, like, uh, dude, you, you, you have to get good with death going into the octagon. Yeah. You know? Like, you, ha- you have to wrap your head around it. Because that's the only way you can do that. Where there's, I mean, other than war, there's nothing else that's like that. So to get, to, to, to be willing to do that and then to get booed after a great performance is, is kind of tough, in my opinion. 
So what was Hoyer like afterwards? Because clearly that's that's a tough spot, and you're a uh, coach. He was good. He was good. The UFC yeah. came back, and they were stoked with him. Like Sean Shelby, and they were like, I have no clue what that crowd was thinking. You clearly won that fight. Amazing performance. No one's ever done that with Lineker ever. You know, so they were stoked. So that like changed the vibe right away. Then he got a little, you know, like tough fights, man. A lot of body shots taken. Yeah. Right. So he got a little nauseous, wasn't feeling great. Stuff like, you know, but adrenaline, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Sure. I just always wonder because, again, when I, I credit and I, I do mean this, but when I credit you as being that good corner man, that good person, that hype man, that like when something does like that happen, you know, I would expect somebody like you to give it to me straight like walking back and so i think that's got to be refreshing for him to be like you didn't do anything wrong you won that fight you know i'll give it to him straight depends uh not necessarily i'll always give it to him straight in the fight you know i'll always give it to him straight in the fight but after the fight depending on what happened they might not be ready to hear or in a place to hear what straight is and and my emotions are high too right so i might not be ready to to um portray what it is that i want to say really well either so um especially when we lose you know uh i try to i try to be a little more quiet how do you gauge that because that's not a skill that comes easy and i don't that's a form of coaching that um you don't start off with that comes with time yeah you're a writer right you said Mm -hmm. when you write you have to write a first draft right Mm -hmm. how's your first draft look compared to the, the the final draft I mean, not not the same, right? You you a lot of edits. No, I'm so good at writing. I just every oh, word is oh, magic. Oh fuck yeah, good. You have, you have a dick made of gold too. Absolutely. Um, okay, perfect. Um, I'm glad we get to say that. <laughs> um, what well, uh, you like? You know, so what I'm saying there is everyone writes a shitty first draft, mm-hmm. and when you're going to talk to somebody, normally that shitty first draft is what's like it's in your head. Mm-hmm. So I try to not say that shitty first draft sometimes. I try to like assess my shitty first draft before I uh, before I give my disapproval, approval, what, whatever it may be, because it's um it's not always correct. So I need to I need you know I've learned um, I've learned through fucking up a lot, you know, and continuing to fuck up and just be okay with it. That that I need to I need to do a little more assessing and a little more thinking before I give someone my opinion in this super emotional uh, intense moment. Okay. I try to just give people a hug. You know? Yeah. I try to just give people a hug. I try to just tell them I love them, you know, when they lose, especially. And then, um, and then you just be there for them and you just say what, like, whatever they want to say, you just let them say. And you t- don't, don't take anything personally. Seems fair. That's a, a very, uh, sensible set of rules to live by. What has been one of the hardest things you've ever had to say post fight then? post-fight like immediately i mean you can gauge post-fight wherever you want i'm just wondering that if you're setting the parameters and saying that there are certain levels of comfortability and that you know you have to gauge it sometimes there are scenarios where you do have to say something and you've had to measure it what is one of those instances just so that people get an idea of uh, every, what you do have to do everyone has quit in a, in a fight before me you uh, everyone right mm-hmm. So getting through the minds, getting through to the person when they think that they just lost, you know, when it just went downhill for them and they lost, but you can see the mental break where they, where they gave up, you know, Mm. um, that, that's a tough thing to get through to somebody. 
you know so you have to walk through that very gently and you have to walk through that um uh it's hard you know because no one wants to say that they quit yeah. which which is a lot uh, in a lot of times the case right yeah. like you know you like the heat is bring being brought and i'm saying me included right so i'm not saying like please understand that everyone the heat's being brought to you and you can't take it so and it, and you don't tap you're not you're not like oh i quit you know or you don't you know you don't you don't you don't, you know but you just bring it down a notch so that you just lose by a little bit yep you know or you're like i mean i did it once i did it in the louise kane fight you know, I, I quit mentally in the fight and I was like, okay, I'm not going to give up, but I'm not going to win. I'm just going to lay here and take this fucking beating until the ref stops it, hmm. you know, but I wasn't trying, but the, the winning was over. Like the winning was all done. I'd quit, you know, I had quit. So when your fighter does something like that, that's a tough thing to get through. I've, uh, I've said this consistently because uh, you know, I used to compete in speech and debate, and you, when you do that sort of thing, I, you know, we were doing it on a national level. And so anytime right. you get to a national level and you're competing and you have scholarships and you have all these things at stake, there's a mentality that you have to come with. And where sports, I could accept being, like, physically tired and, like, oh, okay, cool. Being physically and mentally tired by just talking was always like, what the fuck, dude? I'm, right. How am I so right. dead? Right. And so you, there are certain things that I've picked up over the years that I kind of, when I see an athlete going through it, I realize nobody teaches you really how to lose. And I think that, especially for an athletic mind, you know, there are certain things that you, you do learn as a coach or perspective that you can provide to people. And I think that it's great when you hear or see people who have an understanding of, hey, listen, I have been here. I have seen this. I know what this is. Because a lot of times I feel like fighters or grapplers or whatever have you get to a very feeling of aloneness because they're the only ones competing per se. I talked to my, I talked to my people. Um, so the first, the, the very first thing um, that all of my guys have to know is that I love them, you know, mm-hmm. that I care about them as a person and a human being way more than I care about them as a fighter. Like, yes, I would love if they want to be champions, then let's do it. You know, let's fucking do it. But my number one goal is that they have a successful and happy life and they can define successful and happy however they want. You know, I would like to be a part of that for the rest of their lives. So that's 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 our first step, you know, for me as a coach. Um, And then after that, we can do everything else, you know, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I and I'm not saying that everyone has to do it this way because some people don't. I totally get it. I have to do it this way. You know, like this is what works for me and my guys. Um, and it's what allows me when they ha- if they have to leave me, it, it allow- it's a- makes it okay for me, right? Mm-hmm. Because I know they're doing what's best for them, you know, or what they feel is best for them. And that is all that I want. This is, you know, so I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I did my very best, you know, and, and if, if, it's, if my best is not enough, then I totally understand. So when I start there, then everything else kind of works its way through for me. Because I'm look, let's be let's be honest here. Um, I'm not the most technical person in the world. Like I'm, like, I'm good. I'm, I'm I'm a good coach. You know, I, I under, I'm good at jujitsu. Um, I, I I understand the game of MMA. I, I'm good at I'm good at fighting. But there's other people that are better coaches than me. There's better people that understand like the game. 
in a much more technical way than I do. But I, you know, what what I bring is is love and passion to to the person. And then when you when you have that, I do think that the sky is the limit. I see that. And I want to ask this because it sounds like a lot of the stuff you're you're touching on right now seems to be getting around this area that I've seen from you in a transformation. And I don't know where it started, but you have been very much into this form of personal transformation journeys. And, you know, through your podcast and your book and being very open about what you've gone through, I I wondered, like, where did that really stem from? Like, when were you able to find that you were able to start talking about that? I had a breakdown. You know, I had like a breakdown slash spiritual awakening. And what got me through was two of two or three of my students, you know, uh, Mike and Ian and uh, a lot of other people. But the, these guys were you know, like, like my my mom and dad were there for me and my sister. There's a lot of people there for me, you know, my wife, but who was really there for me in like the darkest, darkest moments of it were um, these these three guys, Mike, Ian, and Will, and they're my students. You know, uh, Will is not training anymore, but he's Ian's brother. And they're also the GMs of two of my schools, and they would stay up all, all night with me when I would like cry on the phone because I was I don't scared of I don't know what, um, and uh, I saw that human con- I, what 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 came from me with that was that human connection is the most important thing that we can have. So when that happened, when I when I realized this, I realized that, um, and when I say then my when I said earlier like the the collection of students as a whole did it for me. So I, I, I knew every day that I wanted to go teach at, the, teach at the school in Denver because that's where I was teaching the adults, you know? And these guys, like, I don't know if I was teaching well or not because I was losing my shit. And, but everyone kept showing up, the guys, the girls, everyone. And, like, that was, like, my, my marker every day, you know, was go see them and, 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 and build, build the connection with all of them, you know, as, as well. And, and when I was able to do that, my whole life changed. And then I was like, man, there's kind of something to this, I think. So um, I, I, I stopped screaming about how tough I was, you know, or not actually, you know, as a front, you know, because that that's what the screaming was. I let people see the, the bad sides of me. I talked about the bad sides of me. Um, I wasn't so scared uh, – I just made some changes in my life. I stopped. I, I saw that, and it's a selfish thing. So let's not understand that it's not selfish. It's still selfish. Like I, I, I do it for me, but it, it turns out like for other people, you know. Um, I just give as much as possible, you know. I, I give as much as possible, and I, since I've made that change, I can't tell you how much I've gotten back. Hmm. Like I mean, from everything. If you want to talk financially, I'm better financially when I started like literally giving my money away. Um, I do seminars, I charge, you know, like, I don't know, not, not a lot, but I don't take a dime. I don't take a dime from the seminar. I, I, we find a a local charity. So man, I would love to do some, you know, I, uh, I, I, okay. I pay for my travel and my hotel, you know, (laughs) I I don't lose. Right. Okay. (laughs) But like, uh, somebody's going to come with the anti mother Teresa article about being like, no, fuck this guy. He reimbursed his gas. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just what I do. I compete, you know, in the fight to win pros and all and, and all of the pro events and I give that money away. And and more has coming back to me. You know, if you want to just talk financially, like I, I have more money than I did before when I was super focused on looking at the members and looking at the revenue of the schools and yada yada. You know, it just it, it it's gone that 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 side of me is gone. Yeah. You know? Like it just uh 
I don't, I don't, you know, I can't explain it. You know, I had, you know, I'm, I'm not religious. You know, I, I believe that there's something greater. I, I don't know what that is. I'm not really sure that it cares about me or you or any of us. Um, but uh, I feel a connection to that greater thing. This, but I think that greater thing is all of us. It's, it's, you know, um, and it just, it just changed my life. You know, so people changed my life. So that my job now is to change people's lives. And the way I do that is through martial arts. That's a great perspective, man. You know, I just I, I get so happy hearing that because uh, it is tough to navigate. Just period. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that it is nice when you have somebody and you're doing an extracurricular or a hobby, as you would as as uh, a martial art, and then you find somebody who's like, well, oh, well, you know, there's martial arts, and then there's also life. And they're yeah. also helping you and, you know, sometimes you can make them work in cohesion together. So that's pretty dope when you get people who can vibe with you in that way. I just I've been super lucky, man. I've been super lucky. This is like, sure, I work real hard, but I, I don't know how this all, I, you know, this is just literally, it's all fucking luck. You know, I've been lucky enough to work as hard as hard as possible at some shit that I really love. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really feel like work. Did that okay? So let's talk about this because I do want to talk about. <clears throat> obviously, you have a podcast which yeah. is um, of note to me because as somebody who does this, I like to always tell people who are athletes slow, slow down. You know, hey, listen, leave yeah. leave the podcasting to those of us who don't do jujitsu well. Okay, uh, but I'm I'm always intrigued. So you want? Are you telling me to slow down? Well, I'm just like so. The joke that we always do is every time I see an athlete do a podcast my first thought is what more do you want listen dog i'm not i'm not good at jujitsu i do it (laughs) but i don't need you to come in here and do this too why are you Uh, fucking up my role (laughs) no no no. (laughs) it's it's what you're saying to people (laughs) no i i i do it with love because yeah i always do this i've you know much like you feel like you've been very gifted in terms of things that have happened to you in your life. For me, as a producer and a writer, anytime I hear a podcast, there's very few podcasts I don't just, like, throw up a pen at and be like, fuck, you know? Like, I I have notes on anything I listen to. I can't drive in a car without doing it. (laughs) So what I tend to do is, is especially with the people I, I know and love, I'll send them notes and I'll be like, I don't know if you know these or want these, but, like, these are things I hear and these are things that I think could help your show. And Send me notes. 100%. Or talk, or talk to me right now. I don't care. Well, <laughs> I, not I, scared. I, I don't. I don't. I, it's not a matter of intimidation. It's just a matter of like. Sure. You sit there and you just go. <clears throat> it's the akin to being on the mats and a coach seeing something that you can't see and them guiding right. you in a direction that you go. Oh, that's how you get the armbar. Thanks. And then you feel like an oh, idiot. I, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm terrible at podcasting. I just like get on there and, and and like yeah I'm I'm not I'm I'm no genius I'm no Joe I Rogan I don't think you're no you're not terrible because the hardest thing to teach people is to have a personality right and to be themselves and the sure. thing I like was you're doing interviews with people which I think is one of the hardest things to do because a lot of times people want to hear you themselves. cut out there for a sec what'd you say I'm so I'm, sorry I'm doing <clears throat> interviews with people what you're doing interviews with people and I think that's one of the hardest things you can do. I think that a lot of the times people, when they are doing interviews, tend to get into a style of listening more to themselves than the person they're talking to. And that bugs me a lot. And I don't really see that as a problem with you. I think that you bring on people you're genuinely interested to talk to. 
Uh, if you listen to my first couple, it was I, I'm better at it now than I was before because I listened to them. I'm like, yeah, you shut. The, I got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I mean, the nice part is, I I go back and I I tell people I approach broadcasting and podcasting in the same way any good athlete should with their field. So I uh-huh. go back, I listen to tape. I go, nope, that segment's got to be faster. I need this guest on here. I need to do this and this and this. And that's just where my brain is consistently. It's just going, firing out those synapses. For you, I just feel like, man, the, the minute I first started listening to what you were doing, it seemed that there was a great way you were transcribing not just your coaching, but your perspective on life and funneling that into your podcast, which now has led into a book. So tell me, how did that podcast come together, though? Okay, so I had um, I have a friend named Scott Strode, who runs this organization called Phoenix Multisport, which is a drug alcohol recovery. And he was uh, one of the I don't know I think it was like 2012 or something. He was a CNN top 10 hero. You know, at the end of the year they do that show. Mm-hmm. So he was one of them. And so he's got into the public speaking field, and he put me together. He wanted me to do public speaking, so he put me to get. He put me in touch with this lady here in Boulder, Colorado, um, who who helps people do speeches. Mm-hmm. And like we sat down, and she does this thing called the dig, and the dig is where she finds one word. You are what is your one word that you're that describes who you are and what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so uh, the goal for us was to do public speaking, but like while we were doing it. Man, I'm rough around the edges a little bit, right? Like I fucking curse. Like I, I you know, like you got to get to you. Like I'm like a, I'm like a fungus. You gotta you gotta get to know me. You're not really sure if you like me, and then you're like, God damn, that motherfucker. I, I could get down with that dude, you know. But it's not like this instant thing, you know. It's not, you know. It's it's it, like there's this instant thing where you want to see what I'm about, but you don't. You're not really sure if you actually like me. Like I would say, most people start out not. Um, but then even my wife, she went out on the first date with me to win a fucking bet. Um, <laughs> wait, hold on. Time out. So you have the fucking, she's all that moment where you're like, was I a bet? Yeah, I was. What bet was that? And what did she who, get? Who could go out on the most first dates without going on a second in a month? And we went out on the 30th of May. So she could go out on the second because it went into June. Hmm. She lived in Denver. I lived in Boulder. So we lived 45 minutes apart. She just happened to be up in Boulder one night, like uh, a couple days before. And when I called her for the first time, it was the day I had knee surgery. So I was all fucked up, right? <laughs> I, I think she said I called her like six times, you know, because like you're all fucked up. And like she answered and I was like, yo, what up? And she's like, are you drunk? And I'm like, no, nah, I had surgery. Hey, but you know what though? That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good story. I mean, not many people will say that their their courtship and love happened because of a bet. Mm-hmm. But whatever, it's cool, you know. <laughs> you know. And I, before we go on on that, and I, I don't mean to interrupt your entire point, but I don't really think I think you have a good comedic perspective on you and and people's perception of you. I didn't need a lot to know I liked you. I just – I got what I needed. And it's not a matter of being like, I don't know where he is and who he is. I, I'm very much a fan, especially as I get older, of not wasting time with people. So I become a place of, do you know who you are and are you a cool person to be around? I want to talk to you. And I think that's that's difficult to find consistently. Sure, I'll agree. So yes, yes. I think – I, I try to be self-aware. I, I agree. I try to really work on myself. I try to listen to what other people say about me. I don't necessarily um, 
it affects me greatly, mm. you know, because I, wa- I always want to be doing better. Sure. Um, so there's things that might, you know, and, and I need to listen a little less sometimes. Um, but, you know, that comes from some childhood bullshit, you know, so that, that I see, go to therapy for every week. Um, so, you know, uh, but back to your question, I guess. Um, so I met Erin. Her name's Erin Weed, if anybody wants to do the dig. And uh, she was like, look, Elliot, I think your avenue is a podcast, you know, rather than public speaking at first. True. You know, and then I think your avenue might also be a book. Your story's pretty cool. And I was like, girl, shut the fuck up. My story's pretty cool. My story ain't shit, you know. And but somehow I got talked into it and I had to pay for my book. You know, I, I worked with a company. My, my book cost me money. So that was that was a um, that was something I had to get around, you know, because mm-hmm. it wasn't cheap. My book cost 25 K to to write. Um, so I had to get my head around that differently. Um, and because I'll never see that money back. Right. Like like that's I what's mean, a book. That's a, how do people read what you know yeah I, you I know understand. and and like amazon takes half the profits oh yeah right i've, so I've helped write a few things yeah. for books myself and uh i've definitely let's put it this way my favorite was when the author was like man you know returns on books are really rough i was like is that my problem like yeah you, i make words go do you want words go or i don't understand but go on yeah so um yeah, that's how this whole thing started for me, and I fucking love it. I just, I just love doing it. And so, and this is what I'll say, I guess, is this whole thing, it's, it's still costing me money, mm-hmm. you know? But, I, but when I was writing my book, I was like, okay, am I really going to dive into this? You know, if I'm really going to go, I'm going to go all in. So how do I go all in? And I was like, the way I go all in is if one person contacts me and says, hey, man, you saved or changed my life. You know, not like I like it or it was mm-hmm. good or you saved it, you know, saved or changed. Then it's all worth it. You know, it's all worth it. And I've had more than one contact me. Uh, I get it all the time, you know, which is uh, uh, another blessing. But that was that that turned into the goal. The goal didn't turn into monetizing, you know, so because um, I monetize in other ways. I uh so that that's the goal was that and yeah so i love it man i had it yesterday like somebody came and sat down with me and like yeah it was it was it's amazing man so that's the goal the goal is to touch people's lives and make them not quit make them not quit on themselves um make them not quit on on whatever they're chasing make them make them and make them quit if they're chasing some bullshit and and find what it is that they love to do you know, and, and get really, really good at what they love to do. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do. My word is power. You know, I want to find, I want to show you mine and I want you to find yours and it doesn't matter what it is. Like, I don't care. Like if it, but, but, um, you know, like, I mean, I guess this is going to be terrible, but this is an example of, of, of how I see the world. Like Cardi B, like when I found out Cardi B, like, was a stripper mm-hmm. and then like dudes would pay her for sex and she would drug them and take their money. I kind of liked her a little more. Really? Yeah, man. Because mm. she was like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm taking the goddamn power back, you know? And she got herself out. Not, and I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to take so much shit for this, and, you know, but she got herself out and look where she is, you know, and look where she is. 
So, um, I, I, yes. put it, I, I think of it this way. Uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of weird. Like, I try to develop a sense of jokes when I'm writing jokes about people that I think are, are fair. So I have a system which is I don't write a joke about somebody I wouldn't say to their face. And okay. so I feel like that's an accountability that the Internet doesn't necessarily have. But it is very interesting when you see people who write these jokes about Cardi B. I'll be like, ah, she's shit. She's like this, this. And I was like, you know, I don't, she doesn't really bug me. You know, like, I like a couple of her songs. No big deal. I don't really give a shit. Whatever. But it is funny when I saw people turn on her for doing these things. And I was like, man, do we really want to play this game with every rapper? Because I don't know who we're going to have to really think. We're going to have nothing. That we really have a high standard of human being of... Somebody who didn't do some shit that was trying to hustle at that time. You know, we're going to have nothing. I, I, I don't know. I, I just, that's just how I see it. She took her power back, man. You know? Yeah. She can't, you know, she took her power back is, is how I saw it. Like, and, you know, you want to compare it to like Bill Cosby? No, Bill Cosby had the power. Yeah. Like, we're not talking about the same situation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So that's my goal in the world, man. I, I want to find, I want people to find their power. The way I do it is martial arts. It's pretty dope. You know, you know and I got to say this, I do is martial arts. there's something effective about what you're doing because, you know, it's no accident when I say that I'm just sitting here watching TV. I know you're going to be coaching somebody. You know, I can see from your, your Instagram where you're going to be. But when I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the octagon and I was like, man, I fucking hear Elliot, right? Like the whole fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's it's funny. and It's good. But I think that's like the magic appeal that you have. So when I like see some of your your videos that you produce that you put on your social media, you know, I think there is a power in you. The minute I see the video drop in and you're going to say something that is inspirational, you get really transfixed into your world very quickly. And there's an urgency. There's a realness. And I, I think those are things that come through. So, again, you know, like. I used to tell people, I was like, when I was first starting to do stand-up, I didn't want to go travel everywhere. Right. I was like, no, 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 no. And then once, you know, my, my co-host and I for Verbal Tap, we kind of kicked around the idea of a podcast. And I was like, fuck that. Those people can come to me. I don't need to I go don't... travel everywhere. How about they come to me? I'll do skits. I'll write things. I can do it. And once I think it, it's out there. I'm, I don't want to uh, – look, so my goal in – like. So I have my students, mm-hmm. right? Like with this thing you said, no travel. Mm-hmm. And I love them. So I'll travel for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but other than that, I want to be home with my kids. Yep. I want to cook good food. And I want, I want to eat with my kids and my family. You know? And that's what I want to do on my downtime. I don't want to do anything else. Um, you know, if I could get to the point where I get like Barack Obama speaking money, like I'll go do one or two a year. But I'm not I'm not going to travel every month and do like if you're going to pay me 10 grand every weekend to go travel, you know, and and do and do a, a public. A no, that answer is no. I don't want, you know, and 10 grand a month, 10 grand a week is a lot of money, right? That's like 40 grand a month. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's good money. Half a million a year. Fuck that noise. Don't do it. I won't make me happy. And then I won't do it well. Yeah, and- I won't do it well. Like ADCC, the trials this year, mm-hmm. man. Look, you know how bad I fucked up in the trials? I fucked up real bad. You want to know why? Because I didn't. I wasn't happy during my camp. ADCC is the only thing that I never accomplished in my in my in my in my career. Right? I, I I've I've competed in Brazil. Right? I, I placed at the Mujeralz as brown belt. I never competed as black belt. You know, I went to fighting. Made it to the UFC. I've competed. I've done everything there is to do. 
right? Except ADCC. So I've been competing really well recently, you know? And when I saw it, uh, and I didn't want to travel to like fucking East Jabip to do ADCC. And I was like, oh shit, 19. It's fucking the America, mm-hmm. you know? So let, let's make a run. So then I really wanted it. So man, I didn't take my kids skiing on Mondays when I would normally take my kids skiing because I wanted to train. And that's not what I've done in all of these other competitions that I've been winning, mm-hmm. you know? I've been like, you know what? Fuck it. What makes me happy is taking my little dude skiing and I'm going to do it. Fuck it. What's one, you know, like that's my happiness. And then I didn't do that for the whole month and a half, right? Excuse me for ADCC. Then ADCC West Coast came and it was a shit show. It was a literal shit show in there. Were you there? Oh, yeah. Dude, it was awful, right? They told us to get there at 830 in the morning. And then every hour they're like, oh, you're going to go soon. And I don't compete until nine o'clock at night. Do you know how mad I was at myself? I, I was so mad at myself, fuck them, that I, one, wasted my time on something selfish for me, and I didn't take my kids skiing, that I was wasting my time there that fucking day. I was so mad at myself, you know, and I, and I couldn't, and then I couldn't get into my match until, like, two minutes were left. Yeah. Because it took me out of my, I wasn't like, you know, dude, I know it's funny, but I wasn't in my Billy Madison happy place, and I couldn't <laughs> find it. You know, normally I can find it and I couldn't, and I've been able to find it and I can't, and I couldn't that day. So yeah, let me, you know, I'll, let me, let me paint some scenarios again. You have, you have yeah. athlete perspective. I think that's good. I have outsider perspective. Sure. So I wasn't even covering this one for whatever fucking reason. They're like, Oh, uh, we don't want to have press on this one. Right. So that allowed me to be a spectator to the nth degree. Right. It also meant I could have left at any time. I did not. I referred to that weekend as all of us being stuck on an island together. And all of us, like, time passed on the island. I saw people who were trying to leave and being like, hey, man, I'm going to leave. And I was like, you don't leave. We all stay here until this is fucking <laughs> over. And they're like, no, Raf, I got I to gotta meet my family for dinner. And I was like, no, fuck you. You stay here because I'm here. And they're like, well, why don't you leave? And I was like, because I've got friends who I want to <laughs> see make it through, dick. Especially, you know, when you've got, like, a, a number of people, a number of our good friends are doing well. John Combs is right. doing very well. And yeah. I'm sitting there going, like, there was nothing that would make me happier than to see this dude make it, you know? And in doing a podcast, we have a lot of people that we know and we like root touch. For. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, we say, okay, let's see how this goes. I'm right. not in charge of anything. I just get to witness it. Mm-hmm. So then I started doing the realization where I said... Wait, when do the big boys go? And they were like, uh, I think they go like way later. And I was like, can we make them go first? Because they're not eating right now. And I don't want to fucks with the big boys not eating. So like, I feel like there's going to be a Jurassic Park moment that's going to happen here. I think it's going to get really bad. And the, the thing was, for you guys, I know we say that there's an athlete. You get used to competing. You've competed at the highest levels. That day was just Fucked from every way possible. Logistically, I think people got sick all around. Everything could go wrong that did. Yeah, for sure. But somebody was going to win it. Yeah. Every, somebody won every division, right? Yep. So, like, that's not – I just don't – like, I agree with you, but, like, 
who fucking cares? I understand that, but I want people to understand the context of it. I don't, I don't, I mean, listen. Yeah, it was awful. There was one bathroom in the goddamn place, right? Yeah. There was a thousand people in the building and one bathroom and then, then it broke and got clocked, right? Like, so literally the whole place smelled like shit. <laughs> they couldn't start the tournament because everyone was in line to take a shit, right? Like, 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 like this is what happened. Well, right? This is just, literally what happened. Not just that, was, but then they also had, they were like, oops, we don't have wireless. And I was like... Yeah, we don't have brackets. I was what like, the fuck? Yeah. I was like, y'all, there's a fries down the street. Do you want me to yeah. go get your cord? Because yeah. this is my hood. I know where everything is. What the... F- yeah, it was... Look, look, but that's all true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that That is all true. And I let that combine... Okay, so I I would like to say for myself, if I would have done the right things leading up to it, you know, with mm-hmm. my family, because I broke a core value. I have a core value. Nothing comes before my kids, mm-hmm. right? That's a core value for my life. Um, I broke that, and then therefore, I, I uh, when when it was obvious that I broke that, and it wasn't obvious that I was breaking that until that day. You know, it all like shone, shined a light on me. You know, I was like, "You piece of shit! You know, you fucking piece of shit! How dare you do this again? Mm-hmm. You know, you you had your career." You know, you, you, you had your time to shine, motherfucker, and that is now over. Like, you com- I compete, I compete, you know, but I do that to show my kids what it looks like to, like, be nervous and do hard things and put pressure on yourself and lead from the front. You know, I don't do it for fame and glory anymore, and I was doing it for fame and glory, even though there's not much fame or glory that comes with it, you know, or... um. But that's why, like, you know, I want it and, and that just, that fucking killed me in the moment, you know, because I fucked up. Are you able to put some perspective to that now? Are you able? Oh, to yeah. I just it? won't fuck up again. I won't. I'm, or, or I'm just aware of it. I'll, I'll fuck up again. I'll do it again. We all do, right? Like, we don't not fuck up. But, but once I realize it, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm like, okay, fix that. You know, but in the moment, I was really upset with myself. You know, I was really, really upset with myself and I couldn't get past it and I couldn't figure out why I was so, it took me like all day to figure out why I was so upset with myself, Hmm. you know, like, and, um, so yeah, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay. I'm just okay with failure. Like I, I'm really good at it because I've done it so much and, uh, I just use it as, as a lesson. Like it's just, it's just something, something to learn from. It's not, it's not like the end of the world, man. Well, that's good. I'm glad that we were able to come through on that. I just, it's, it's, I don't know, man. It's one of those things where I was just interviewing Gary Tonin and there was Mm -hmm. a moment in the interview with him where he was saying he may not even do ADCC because he may have a fight coming up. And you know that world as well, where, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you're fighting now. That's kind of what you Uh have to do if that's what they want. And there was a recognition of, yeah, that was the thing. I wanted to do that. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to. And yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult to ask that question, but sometimes it is, you know, are you at peace if that doesn't happen now? But I always tell people, I'm like, you know, it's so funny. You have these ideas of what you are supposed to do. And then sometimes what you're supposed to do isn't what you were supposed to do. Nope. Nope. I was supposed to take my kids skiing on Mondays. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I was supposed to do. So, but it's, but again, I don't kill myself for it. Like, I think, I think this is where, I think this is where it gets fucked up. And, um, is people crush themselves for when they fuck up. Look, you are, you are not a guru. (laughs) You know, none of us are, none of us are this perfect, 
perfect being that never flaws. It's impossible. It's an unattainable standard. So to, to hold yourself to it is brutal. You know, just, just say, okay, this was a mistake. Honestly, accept it. Don't ignore it and then make a change because of it. But you know, like that's like, that's just what happens, right? That, that's just the way it's got to go down because at the end of the day, it doesn't really fucking matter. You know, it doesn't matter. What ma- what's going to matter is how we treat each other and what we do with each other. Like even for jujitsu, tell me who was the middleweight champion seven years ago. No. Yeah, no. So guess what? doesn't fucking matter. So that means the middleweight champion this year doesn't matter either. Mm. Right? So what are we doing with this jujitsu thing? What, what, why does it matter? And it's not for the gold medal. Why does it matter? It matters because it, it brings people together to do a really hard skill. And it teaches us how to fail and then move forward. And we're okay with it on the mat. It opens up and makes you super vulnerable. It teaches you how to be vulnerable in your life if you pay attention enough. It brings people together. It brings Republicans and Democrats and gay people and straight people and poor people and rich people. And none of that shit fucking matters when you tie your belt and you bow on the mat. None of it matters. Not a single thing matters. And some days you're better than me and other days I'm better than you. And we both have to deal with those facts on those days. And we have to look at them, move past them, and do it together. Because we're beating each other up. We're doing something very, very difficult. We're beating each other up, right? But somehow we can beat each other up and we can get along. But in other areas of our life, we're, we're, not, we're not coming close to doing as such hard things as like physically choking each other and we can't get along. So that's what matters is the mat. If we can take all of the lessons of the mat you know, and move them to our lives, the world will be a better place. That's why jiu-jitsu is the number one rule for life. Because that's what matters. Gary Tonin's UFC career, or, or it doesn't fucking matter. No one's going to care, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just said, Gary, because you were talking to Gary. Right, I right? get it. You know, yeah. you know no, no one's going to care because no one cares. No, you know, like it, it's just it doesn't fucking matter. Look at look at Mark Coleman right now. Mm-hmm. He's the first heavyweight UFC champ ever. Can't fucking walk. Yep. Right. No one's helping him. No one's fucking giving him money to, to get his hip surgery, you know, or whatever he needs, you know, yeah. like so it doesn't fucking matter. What matters is what you do with people. It's a good perspective. And it makes me, it helps, makes me be happy. So it's selfish. Yeah, but... You selfish know. makes me be happy. Here's what I want to ask, because I do wonder this, and again, because in the Venn diagram, uh, you know, I'm not a fighter, but uh, you huh? and I both do podcasts, so that's in the Venn diagram now. I'm just curious, like, what has been, like... Do you have like a best interview or do you have some moment that you just knew everything was firing on all cylinders? Because Yeah, man, I talked to Orlando Sanchez two weeks ago. Yeah. It aired last week, right? Or mm-hmm. or this aired Tuesday. Mm-hmm. He and I are friends now. <laughs> we talk all the time. And we had never spoken more than five words to each other before. Really? And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna hit him up. I'm just gonna hit him up and see and see see if he'll talk to me for an hour. You know, and he said yes. And now, like, man, when I go, I'm coming out to L.A. for the Worlds, I'm going to go up to his school. We're going to we're going to train. We're going to try to collaborate on something, you know, like and, and just make the world a better place through jujitsu. And like we're actually like I consider him an actual friend now. What made you call him? I wanted to know what like so I hear his story about drugs and alcohol and like, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, I wanted to know what big O for the win really meant. You know, because that's his thing. Big, big O F T W, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I wanted to know what that really meant. And he told me what that really meant. You know, like we got to it. So that's what made me call him. I wanted to see if, if he was like a for real dude, like that I was could be down with, you know, mm-hmm. or if he or big O for the win meant, you know, win ADCC this year. And, he, and, if, and, and big O for the win doesn't mean ADCC this year. So now, now he and I are talking the same language, you know. It's a good plug, kids. That's what's known as go listen to his podcast after this to hear that. <laughs> um, I just want to make sure that we're we're getting that because here's the dumb part is is if I was a really really solid interviewer, I'd be like, no fucker, tell me what the O is on this show. But I I, I love the tease of no no no, go listen to that because the reason why I ask is this: I know what I feel like when it's right. And when it's uh-huh. going well. And I'm always curious to those people, and I, I hope it for everybody who does this sort of thing, that they have those moments where that just feels like, man, that was fucking, that's what I want it to be. And so I think that's really dope that we live in an era where, you know, I can message you and just be like, hey, listen, I'm, I, I know who you are. I know what you do. I know mm-hmm. what kind of thing to expect. So I'm intrigued by that. And for you to do the same with Orlando and be like, I don't know what it is, but I just want to see what's up. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's that's literally, and you don't keep looking down at a piece of paper to ask me questions, yeah, like some bullshit interview. That's like generic, (laughs) yeah. You know, like I like I I don't know. For me, I can't plan because if I plan, then I'm not natural. You know, I have to like because then I'm not listening to what the person says. Yep. I'm like, okay, I want to hit these talking points, you know, and like I force the talking points. You know, so like I, I I know where I want every podcast to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to revolve around this issue of each other and and how to help and and like and this and find your power. Like I know that that's like my my word, but I have to listen to what the person's gonna say so that we can get there together. Because yep. if I try to force it, it ain't happening. So the the kind of thing that I do now is, and I've always said this is. Uh, there are certain things that I do where I don't really have to write stuff down. You know, some stuff I kind of like, you know, hey, the big bullet point of like, what are we pushing? Do you have a seminar? Am I supposed to remember that? Sure. But when it comes to actual talking points, that comes through the research. So I'll usually listen to somebody's stuff. And if I listen to them on another show, I go, listen, you've said that story three other times. I don't want that story. I want this. And if you're going to tell that story, I'm going to take you somewhere else with it because I don't like people on talking points. It it takes me out of my my realm of like, why are we doing this? Bro, God damn. Can you talk to the UFC reporters? The people that fucking cover the goddamn UFC? Am I ready for my fight? How many fucking times are you going to ask me if I'm ready for my fight and you think and if I think I'm going to win? No, I'm not ready. I sat on the couch and ate cheesesteaks and I'm going to get my fucking ass kicked. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. I just did an interview with that question. I laugh because every once in a while, and I get it, I try to be there and and help and do as much as I can for grappling. But every once in a while, I get asked, hey, do you want to do interviews before the matches? Uh, no. You know, like at the event. And I go, what am I going to ask them? And they're like, well, you know, we just want to give them some coverage. I was like, no, no, no. That's why I interview them before. I don't do the day of like, do you think you're going to win? How do you feel? Oh God, dude. Last night I was up all night fucking puking. I feel like shit, man, you don't get the truth. You don't get some real shit, you know? Yeah. I've told people, I'm like, you know what I would do? Like, I don't have that gene or want to be in a cage, but there are certain elements of the fight thing that I do enjoy, which is walkouts. If I walked out, you better believe that's going to be the best 
Pride FC entrance anybody's ever fucking seen. There's going to be fucking 49 dancers on there. There's going to be a lot of Japanese fans. I'm probably going to do a dance. I'll be exhausted by the time I get to the ring. And then by the time I get there, I'm going to go, I'm not fighting. I just wanted to do that. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day. The second thing I want to do is I would love to do the pre-interview where I do exactly what you just said, which is, oh, man, yeah, I'm not feeling so good. I don't think I'm going to win. I've got to be really honest with you. It's looking really bad for me. But we're going to go and see what happens. Because I, I, I just can't. So, I hate it. But I feel that's part of the machine that you have to do for that. So one of the hard parts for me is when I don't see anybody interviewing people after a big event, I get really angry. Because if I, like, I feel like grappling is one of the hardest things you can do. And that if you don't get celebrated or talked to after that, then we perpetuate an idea of it's not important. So to me, there are certain rules like IBJJF has a no interview clause. And when that happens, I'm always like, well, why do other sports interview people like Tom Brady doesn't just walk off, walk the, off field. the field? Yeah, no. Like you need other people there. And then they're like, oh, don't worry. We've got it. We've got it covered. And I go, OK, cool. You've got Buchecha covered. What about this person who walks off? Nobody knows who the fuck they are unless they continue to do winner once or twice. This might be it for them. So usually I like to pull them around. So I, I get the idea of coverage that we can do. So I usually just try to pull people the weeks before a big event and I say, let's chat. You know, like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's looking. You've got a cool story. I want to hear it. Or sometimes just being like, I don't really know you. Say your shit. Plug yourself yeah, and do your it's thing. Co- it's cool. Yeah. I, I just like to talk to people. Yeah. And the nice part is, is part of the reason why I say is, I don't have to really do a pre-interview. I don't have to do any of that shit because I've already listened and I've put in my reps for 20 years. So for me, it's just like, okay, cool. I'm just going to listen to you and where we go is where we go. If you literally had changed course on me and the coffee had broken bad and you had totally said, you know what? We're going to talk about barbecue. I'd be like, listen, by the end of this interview, everybody's going to be a goddamn expert at barbecue. Because when you you teased it and you said that you went from four to three and you consolidated, I said, you know what? You're in danger here, son, because I want to hear more about why you consolidated. And I want to know for real if those ribs are actually going to be fire. Oh yeah, my ribs are fire. Okay, okay. I, I've won barbecue. I've won like barbecue competitions. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I can against against like uh, people that have barbecue restaurants. My 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 bar my barbecue's on point, bro. Okay, this I will write down. Okay, so hold so hold on, ready? Yeah. So he, he, do you know who Mark Vetri is? No. He's a chef, restaurateur. He actually just went in business with the Fertitas in the Palms. He opened a restaurant okay. in the Palms, right? He's a East Coast guy. Uh, he and I are friends. And he comes to Boulder every every summer, you know, and somebody and you know, so he's met some guys from the academy, and somebody asked him how to cook a steak or something, right? About about cooking a piece of meat, and he said, "Why don't you hit up Elliot? He'll help you." And he's not busy. Wow, that's that's high. So price, I man. I can cook I can cook some fucking barbecue. <laughs> I can cook some meat, bro. You know, I'm not like a pro. I'm not gonna say like I'm not gonna beat the best barbecuer. But I will make barbecue better than almost any restaurant that's not in Texas. Okay. Okay. Well, now I know what to do because I, whenever I go see my – once a year I go to visit uh, my co-host. I feel bad. He's been banged up so he hasn't been able to train, uh, which usually prompts me to be like, oh, I don't want to see you. If I can't yeah. beat you up, I don't want to come see you. But yeah. I usually go out to Denver uh, once a year. He comes to L.A. But I, I would love to see that in action because um, I've heard other – Black belts call themselves black belts at ribs. 
they were okay. Yeah. I've seen other people call themselves black belts at barbecuing, and I said, that's actually really good. So I will. So look, you have to be able to do multiple things, though. Hmm. So in my opinion, you have to be able to cook a phenomenal steak. Okay. You have to be able to cook phenomenal ribs, pulled pork, and brisket. And this is the key. If you can do those things and you make your own sauce, there's no such – no barbecuer buys fucking sauce, <laughs> okay? And you have to have more than one, okay? So you have to make your own sauce and you have to be able to make those four things, pulled pork, brisket, ribs, and a steak, a phenomenal steak. And you do not – and like look, man, there's only one way to cook the best steak and that's it. And it doesn't take eight minutes takes two hours i want to i want to just make sure i was very clear on what it was i literally i put you up to a challenge to feed me at some point and then you went to double down on it like i was saying like yo ribs would be good i would be really Uh good because you know that's a really smart interviewer thing to be like i want ribs i'm gonna make him cook that yeah and instead you double down and said like yeah i'll do you one better you gotta cook four things and i'm like well now do you have to cook all those four things because and and you have to and and you have to have a fucking side dish you have to have a bomb ass side dish what's your side dish though Macaroni and cheese, homie. All right. All right. I'm starting, I'm starting to get worked up now. It's too early for me to be thinking about that sort of stuff. Elliot. So, yeah. Here's what I want to <laughs> start circling because we've been talking for a while and I want to make sure we're respectful of your time. But I, I'm very, very happy that we were able to do this today because, like I said, man, you know, there's a lot of us who do podcasts and fill different spaces. And I do love the positivity that you are bringing to that. And it's really important to me that everybody gets served in their areas. And I didn't see anybody else save my idiot co-host who helps with Colorado. But like, you have a strong reach. You have a very, very good set of things that you're doing. And that always makes me jazzed. And it makes me great when feel great when I see you coaching and you just, you feel that passion, dude. And I, I really wanted to start a conversation. It's love, man. I just fucking love what I do. I don't work. Like I literally don't work, you know? And I, it's just how I go through my life. And like, sometimes I met, you know, one of my students asked me the other day, we were talking and she was like, I just want to be better. Like, you know, cause she sometimes struggles with like her own demons. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about better girl. Cause I'm not better. I have like these things that I do to help myself, you know, but I'm not better. I, I, I still am paranoid every night if I'm going to sleep or not that night. You know, I, I know how to go through the process now, but like this whole idea of like, I'm going to be fixed one day or I'm going to be yeah. saved, you know, like something's going to come save me, man. There ain't nothing coming. It's just you, mm-hmm. you know, it's just you and the people you got with you that are going to ride or fucking die to the end. And that's what we have. You know, and that's and and so like I'm not better than anyone. You know, I'm not better than a soul. I'm not I'm not this enlightened anything. I just do my thing and I try to help other people, you know, and my my thing just happens to be helping other like I've, I've been able to make it work so that I can really try to have the most effect on people's lives that I can. And man, let me tell you, I fuck up and and, and I do some good. So that's all it is. I, you know, uh, it's kind of weird. Um. I'm just seeing this now. I didn't see it. We had a couple comments. One was from my co-host who I was talking shit about. So, uh, <laughs> whoops. Uh, Kevin says, we've seen him throw a few lines at fighters right before post-interview. What's his strategy? Can slash we bribe him to write our own jokes and get thrown in there? What does he want? 
I think I'm he's sorry. asking, like, you sometimes talk to the fighters, like, right before they do their post-fight interview. What is it that you whisper to them? What is it that you tell them right before they go on the mic when they're on national TV? I do? Yeah. Oh, uh, word. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Because you know what was funny? We, we both we both I don't fucking it. know. We both caught it, I think, at least on one or two occasions where I was like, what is he whispering to them? And he was like, dude, I was wondering that same thing. And I just thought it was like, I know with some of the local fighters out here in L.A., I they usually will see me as their publicity guy because mm-hmm. they'll be like, Raph's well-spoken, so ask him first. And I'll always be like, don't say that. You're a fucking idiot. Um, so usually I pull it by them. So my, my whisper to them is usually, don't fuck up. I agree with what Chael Sonnen said. I'm not going to judge anybody by what they said after they had a 15 minute fight with somebody in a cage, when when their when their emotions are at the rawest, you know. Like like uh, yeah, we all say dumb shit. So um, I don't I don't know what I say to them because I I think I'm still pretty raw at that moment too, because I'm pretty stoked, you know. Because if they're going to get an interview, they won, you know. Um, so yeah, I have no fucking clue, man. All right. Well, next time what we'll do is we'll we'll see if I can pr- get that a specific clip because I'll see if we have something specific that we can show you and be like, did you? What did you say? I mean, I I, I mean, I guess I'm not going to say that I don't do it, but um, I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, I think I yeah, I think maybe once or twice I told Neil to call somebody out. Like, uh, you know, okay. like that's good. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I, well, that that I, is part of the protocol now for afterwards. You get John Anik who has to go over to them and be like, all right, now that looked real good. Is there anybody that you'll want to go ahead and call out before we go to the next thing? And then they yeah. have to do that. Like, it's the way that it self-perpetuates. All right. Well, Elliot, I cannot thank you enough for your time. I just want to say, if you guys are not listening to his podcast, you need to do so right now. Uh, if people are looking to bring you out for seminars, which I think is dope that you do for charities, or get in touch with you, where can they get in touch with you, sir? Instagram, firemarshal 205 on Instagram. Just hit me up on the gram. Um, I'll do my very best to um, get back to you in a timely fashion. Like I said, I don't do it a lot because I don't leave my kids. You know, I don't like to leave my kids too much. So um, I'll do, yeah, I'd love to do it though. And um, we don't have to charge a lot, uh, but all of the money, we'll, we'll find a good local charity. You know, we'll find something local to, to, to help out, to, to really like, uh, to get something going for the community because that's the most important thing. We got to like, man, government's not going to help us. The president's not going to help us. You know, I don't care, like them or don't like them. doesn't fucking matter. We're going to help each other, you know? So get get away from somebody's going to come save you. You know, you are going to save you and your people that you bring in your life are going to save you. You know, and that's how we have to do it. So and that's why I do what I do with it with the seminar with it with the charity thing because you know, we we need we need to give back. But I've been lucky as hell. It's great stuff. Uh, again, if you guys are not catching up on his podcast, go do so right now. It is The Gospel of Fire. It is also an accompanying book that you guys need to go out and get, read it because uh, I just want you guys to know it's important that you read. I get very concerned about my audience sometimes. I know who you are. I read my demographics very closely. <laughs> I get very, very nervous when I see how lazy you are. Uh, I love you guys, but read a goddamn book. And if you're going to read Is listening one, okay? Uh, audible? Yeah. Oh, do you have an Audible book for that? No, I don't. But is listening okay? But I don't read shit. I, I don't no, do as no, well. No, don't ruin that. No, listen, that was a good plug for literacy. But and hold on. Oh. I know, but it doesn't work for me, Rob. I'm sorry. Like, I just have to ask. 
Like, like I don't retain the information. <laughs> you want to cut the podcast? No, you no, I'm, not cut cut right now? The, I'm not going to cut right now. This is too real. I'm going to tell you Click, this. No. Done. <laughs> At the end of the PSA, you don't have Captain Planet who just goes, you know, I don't really put my shit in the recycle bins, if I'm being honest, kids. But you guys, be a star. <laughs> like, I let me put it this way. Like, here it was when you said you were, I was like, I don't know who has... Audio bi- uh, podcast books. I know one of the homies, uh, Paul, wrote a book, and I know you have a book, and I know eventually I'll probably end up writing a book myself. But you know what the nice thing about be- writing a book and being a podcaster is? You can read your own book. You have that it's experience. It's really hard, though, man. Have you tried? Yeah. I'm not good at it. Like, I'm going I'm going to do it, but you can't – like, you can't stutter. You, like, you know, I'm yeah. going to read this book, book, book. But, but you know, and I and like, I'm like, fuck, I stuttered. I've actually, you know, it's funny. I've gotten calls to be um, on other people's like audio podcasts. Again, performer. This is I, this is what right. I do, you know. Right. Um, but I definitely I got caught, and I was like a multi arc uh, storyline, and so she was like having me read these lines, and it's a dystopian future sort of novel that she's putting in a podcast form, and I'm sitting there reading these lines like. She's like, I need somebody very stern and, and like you, good sardonic kind of thing. And I was like, cool. So when I get to reading some of the lines, I'm like, no, Jane, you can't go in there. Jane, listen, if you go in there and the president finds out, what the fuck am I reading? You know what I mean? Like, so you have those moments where you're like, yeah, I'll read my audiobook. That's way easier than this. I have to like put great emotion into acting and being like, but if the president finds out the aliens are going to get there, how are we going to do it? So yeah, there are but hold on, we, we we have to touch this audible book thing for a second. Yeah, why not? And why and why I don't read? Okay, actually read. Okay, I my brain goes off. I I read a page and then I'm reading the next five pages and I'm not paying attention. And and I and I don't retain the information and then I have to go back and read them again and that's just not it's not effective for me. But when I listen to the book because I drive a lot, you know, when I listen. I really retain and pay attention to what's being said. I just do it better. I actually learn more that way. Yeah, I have no problems with this. I don't. We're on the same page on this. Oh, Dude, okay. Well, I thought you were disagreeing with me. No, I'm just like oh. I, I want people to. The whole point of reading is to expand your knowledge base. So, yes, pick up books. I agree. There we go. Yeah. That's that's yeah, pick, the, the, <laughs> pick up books. Consume them however you consume exactly. them. Exactly. Captain you... <laughs> Planet coming back. You got to recycle and you got to compost. <laughs> You know, that's as best of a place to go ahead and end the interview. I want to thank Elliot Marshall for coming on and bringing us time. Guys, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up next week. Um, we've got more episodes coming. We have a great retrospective of all things pro wrestling and uh, WWE BJJ. So if you missed any of those videos, we're going to announce live next week one of the winners. We've also got new interviews coming up and a few old ones that I don't think you guys have seen uh, with some of our friends, the Freak Bros. We've also got Barrett Yoshida and, of course, our expanding coverage. We will be at... LXF fights next Saturday. So you will see me there. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm just going to sign off and I, I can't say enough good things about Elliot. Elliot, very much appreciate your time today, sir. Thanks, Ralph. Appreciate it. you're gonna you're gonna. I'm sure I'll see you at the at the Worlds, Mujels. Oh yeah, you'll you'll see me around. I'll, I'm going to be running around and I'm going to be so goddamn tired. But we'll, oh, yeah, grab an, gonna, we'll grab an acai bowl. Most def. All right, all right, man. Thank you guys so much. You guys have a great rest of your day. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you on the mats. Take care, everybody.